Hey everybody, it's Drew. And it's Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. jump into it i'm gonna go through our um our online presence little uh preamble here <laughs> so we have a, a store that we've been operating for a little while you know you can buy shirts and beanies and a very sexy pair of uh unisex underwear i think is it unisex i don't think so <laughs> oh it might just be for bros but either or girls can wear dude clothes if they want uh, I want to thank our Patreons who are listening and helping support us and everything. Thank you very much. And y'all can, you know, feel free to join that. Any new listeners, it's what, a uh, dollar, three dollar, and five dollar? Or is it? Not, I think it's one and three, or I don't, I don't know. You have to go look at it. it, it it's been a while since I set it up. <laughs> and it's basically, is you know, one's just supporting us and everything. And uh, the $3 one is you support us as well, but you also get. Um, you get the unedited podcast, and you get to also, if you want, uh, chime. In, you know, offer us up games to play of your choice. Uh, usually, something off Game Pass. Yeah, and we'll, we'll and we'll do a stream of that for whoever wants to take part in that. And we've had nobody speak up for that yet, but as well as the other the other things we primary prioritize are Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now we were against Twitter in the early ons, and we've you know retconned that because Facebook has some obnoxious thing where like we'll send out a post, but none of the people who like the group will see the post. It's like you've reached one person, but I'm like I know there's quite a few people in the group. What's happening here? So we started using Twitter, which gets a pretty much a more immediate interaction. And Blake does Instagram once a month. Yeah, I need to really... If, if more than that. <laughs> I need to really up my game on the Instagram. We also, uh, Drew just mentioned streaming. Uh, we do Twitch. We haven't done it in a minute just because we've been focused on uh, single-player experiences. We really only Twitch our... Co-op stuff. Our co-op stuff, which we're... Once we get taken care of a few of these bigger solo projects, we're going to hop back into that. Yeah. It can be pretty fun when the, you know... when Once everyone shows up, it can be pretty fun. We also have today, matter of fact, uh, you can find us, the podcast, on Spotify. The other thing you can find on Spotify is a playlist that Drew has uh, created for every band and song that we've played mm-hmm. on the cast so far. And so we'll actually be adding that, adding to that today. I won't tell you who it is. I think I spoiled it once or twice in the past, so <laughs> I'm going to try to be better about that. And you can also email us at uh, the number two smokingcontrollers at gmail.com you can email questions and comments or that's even where you can do your suggestions for the uh, the Patreon to have us play on that and stuff like that and I assume the Patreon stuff would just message us on, on Patreon I assume probably but either or you know whichever one and now for me it's this is a little bit of self promotion on my end is I do have a 
a short story that you can find on Amazon. Uh, if you have uh, Kindle Unlimited, it is free. If you don't, it's only a dollar. It's just a little short story, 17 pages. I, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I'm promoting it constantly so that people get annoyed, like, why is something new already? And I was like, I'm working on it. So I'm trying to be better about that. As well as doing that, uh, we have a brother podcast called Action, the movie podcast, where it's myself and a good friend of ours, Steve Wedding, and we just basically, we, we take turns picking movies for one another, and we don't talk about the movie until we actually record the podcast, so that our opinions and suggestions don't influence the other one. Mm-hmm. Type of situation, everything you're hearing is 100% genuine. And Did you uh, listen to the couple episodes we have? It's I don't I don't think Steve is trying too hard, but Blake's been trying to surprise Steve with movie picks, and it's hard, harder than he anticipated. Yeah. Considering because Steve has a, a near matching love of movies that Blake has, so Blake's been having having a, a what do you call it? Just a, a goal of his own, just to try to. Surprise, Steve, with a couple of movies he's never seen before. But I think you got him once I've or got twice. Him twice, twice. I think. Usually he picks something, and Steve's like, "Oh yeah, I've, I've watched that a hundred times." Oh, thanks, buddy. But uh, that that covers everything. I think. Yeah. I don't think I missed anything. I don't think you did. All right. Sounds good to me. And so, uh, we're actually our we're gonna be tackling one game and a band day. The game. Uh, I have quite a bit to talk about it, and Drew has a little less, so you'll probably be hearing mostly me, mm-hmm. but hopefully you guys enjoy my, you know, voice. So, welcome everybody to episode 58. Things are going to be slightly different this time. Uh, it's not something, it's something we've done before, but uh, we're doing just one game, because it's a pretty massive game. With a lot of uh, intricate details and the whatnots. However, I have played quite a bit more than Drew has. And we'll get into the reasons why here in a moment. Uh, yeah. So we're just going to be doing the one game. And uh, Drew will be supplying a band to add to the Spotify playlist. Yeah, Supplying my tiny little piece on the end of this. So without any further ado. I mean, this is probably one of the bigger games we've done, I think. It has a pretty big... Well, I guess Pokemon, but regardless. Uh, The game we're doing today is called Darkest Dungeon. So, Darkest Dungeon originally came out in January 2016. And it is developed by Red Hook Studios. And right now, this is their only... Well, this is the only project they are working on at the moment. Is the Darkest Dungeon IP. So, Darkest Dungeon... You have the Darkest Dungeon original game, and then they've released four DLCs for the for the game. Now, technically, two of the DLCs are just characters, just and character rather, a character. Didn't, 
didn't one of the DLCs have a character in like a like a, a map or something? What was it a? So you have the real briefly. So technically, the DLCs there's two expansions, I guess, mm-hmm. and then two of them are particular characters. Now, I, I'll get I'll dive into those here in a little bit, but let me talk about the uh, the studio itself. The uh, the studio uh, is uh, Red Hook Studios, based out of uh, Vancouver, up in up in the Great White North, Canada. Uh, they've been around since 2013. Now the entire uh, the the amount of employees is uh, five. Just five people made this game, which is keep running into that. One of five is like a a sweet spot. Cause we have five and 22 and like one sometimes. Yeah. I wonder if five is like the, like you have like a, I don't know the different programmers it takes to make a video game, but I wonder if five is the number of like an artist, a lead programmer, like if there's like five jobs that like make up a, like a minimum It's like team. lead programmer, artist. Music sometimes, I guess. Music sometimes. And then there seems to be, um. It's two other programmers. There's probably better, better titles, but maybe that's just maybe well, five in, is the sweet is a sweet spot. Because in this, you'd have to have someone designing the dungeon, someone designing the combat, and then someone, you know, doing the musics and whatnot. So, but yeah, it's it's five. Uh, but more recently, because they are, they are they've been successful. They've more than doubled their amount of employees. They're now sitting at fourteen. They were at five, but now they're sitting at fourteen. For the to start when they started, they expanded when they started working on the second game. Because mm-hmm, they needed more. Because they, they also have. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. They also have higher hopes and expectations for the second. Well, not higher hopes and expectations. They have different hopes and different expectations for the sequel, which I'll get to in a moment. Mm-hmm. Now I've talked about the game, so they actually it's a kickstarted uh, game. And their initial goal, just to show you how much backing they had, the Kickstarter was in 2014, and the initial goal was only $75,000. I say only $75,000 is a whole lot of money. So they made, they got $75,000 is what they wanted. By the end of the Kickstarter, they had $313,000. That is quite a big, big uptick. From just wanting seventy five thousand dollars, because people saw what it was, and were immediately invested, and they, I can see why. I kind of wish I had known about it back then, but yeah, we, we, we probably would have backed this if we saw what it looked oh, yeah. like back then. But we, we, I was I was a little iffy on Kickstarter early on too, because of... and then we would have backed it, and I would have been pissed when I played it. Oh yeah, true. I would have been pissed. But the game itself has done pretty fantastically. It's first week of ad actually coming out, because it once it got approved and all that stuff, it did spend an entire year in early access on the Xbox, Xbox and Steam, I guess. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of uh, a lot of balancing, and we'll talk about balance uh, throughout this podcast. Because I um, we'll, we'll we'll just talk about balance throughout the podcast. If people don't know what balancing is. Uh, anything that has numbers and stats and stuff like this, people uh, is balancing, is making sure uh, everything is supposedly fair. You see a lot of balance patches in fighting games um, to make sure characters' moves uh, don't hit harder than they should. There's a lot of balancing of 
in uh, Smash Brothers, there's a lot of when you got a new character, there's tons of testing and then balancing to make sure a, a new Smash Brothers character and a lot of that in Street Fighters, just anything. Balancing is is important to make sure a game is fair more than anything. In this game, um, I'm not sure if they did it right. We'll see. We'll, we'll get to that momentarily. And besides, uh, I say that because it's been an entire year with other people, people playing it, and then once it finally came out, people got to keep their progress and everything, you know, because it's how the early access stuff works. But when it actually finally came out to buy, it sold 65,000 copies its first week, which is was, isn't terrible. Yeah. But now, uh, last time I looked at it, which was a little bit ago when I took these notes, it sold over 2 million copies. And considering that the game is digital only, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty great. You don't have to worry about the overhead of physical copies. Yeah, I guess it ain't, it ain't a physical release anywhere, I don't think it is. Not that I'm aware of, no. But like I said, it's pretty dope. So the game itself, it is a gothic, I'm going to just use the word gothic up front, all caps, to give you an overstatement. It's gothic. Dungeon crawler slash turn-based combat RPG slash town management simulator light a light town management simulator yeah you don't you don't really have to maintain the town but you have to upgrade it and stuff like that and uh i'll I'll dive into the 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 town first then do some dungeon crawling and i'm dive into each one individually just try to get it a little bit so the cool thing is the game does start with a pretty decent prologue and it gives you two purposely named characters that supposedly have lore about them but that seems to be more of the online community versus the actual in-game content i don't see anything that really mentions yeah, them this game after. is story light that's for sure i feel like there's a, there's a narrator which, which i assume you'll talk about yeah, here in, in a minute but yeah. there's a narrator narrating certain things but i think the game is very story light Focused on the gameplay. It's, it's also focused. It's meant for you because a lot of these characters are randomly generated. Uh, you have each character has. Okay, let me talk about the town first, and I'll talk about characters and all that stuff. So once you go through the pretty decent prologue, and you're given the exact same four classes as you as you roll through, which are pretty good classes, and you make it through these relatively not hard dungeon first it's kind of trickery how not difficult it is and then you make it to town so the whole point of this is your you have inherited a manor and a township uh from your uh your your now deceased ancestor which is like the whole opening where he's like you remember our household it is opulent and imperious and I have he gives his whole it's a it's a wonderful kind of cool thing it, it does it every time and it just kind of almost immediately draws you in with the art gives you the background and it's the um the splash screen I think it's the term it's as soon as you turn the game on it's the first thing that starts playing before you even make it to the title and you can skip yeah, it a track screen track yeah. screen there you go ruin has come to our family You remember our venerable house, opulent and imperial, gazing proudly from its stoic perch above the moor. I lived all my years in that ancient, rumor-shadowed manor, fattened by decadence and luxury. And yet I began to tire of conventional extravagance, 
singular unsettling tales suggested the mansion itself was a gateway to some fabulous and unnameable power. With relic and ritual, I've bent every effort towards the excavation and recovery of those long-buried secrets, exhausting what remained of our family fortune on swarthy workmen and sturdy shovels. At last, in the salt-soaked crags beneath the lowest foundations, we unearthed that damnable portal of antediluvian evil. Our every step unsettled the ancient earth. But we were in a realm of death and madness. In the end, I alone fled laughing and wailing through those blackened arcades of antiquity. Until consciousness failed me. You remember our venerable house. Opulent and imperial. It is a festering abomination. I beg you, return home, claim your birthright, and deliver our family from the ravenous clutching shadows of the darkest dungeon. And it's, you know, all the, it's, this is all the backstory. And then anytime you go to fight a, one of the bosses, you get a... Uh, because everything you're battling is a consequence. a consequence. I think it's the right word. Is a, a consequence of something that your ancestor had done, mm. and you're basically trying to clean his mess up. And so, part of the township stuff, once you make it to the township and the manor, is mo uh, most of the things are decrepit at first. Yeah. And you don't even you only have access to like the inn. But then after the first couple of dungeons uh, you do, the first the, a lot of the tutorial stuff, and once you go through, it's like four or five dungeons. They're all fairly easy, but they're teaching you about, you know, tutorial. It's exactly what it is, tutorial. And you have access to all the aspects of your, of your, your manor, your township. They are a blacksmith for upgrading weapons, a guild master for upgrading skills, and you have a graveyard, so you can weep over your perma-dead characters, because they will perma-die. There's ways around it, but we'll get to that in a minute, that your characters do perma-die. There is also a, a sanatorium, and it is to help you with certain sicknesses and uh, certain quirks. And I'll get into quirks in a minute when I get into the characters. You also have two things... To help your sanity slash dress meter. You have a pub where you can drink, gamble, and visit a brothel. And then at the Abbey, there is a quiet meditation room, a prayer room where you can pray to a higher power, and then a uh, flagellation room. Those who don't know, I said flagulation, not flatch-ulation. <laughs> so flag with a G is a self-inflicted pain to punish yourself for either pleasure or like, oh, I did a bad thing, let me hurt myself type situation. Flagellation, it's, it fits with the time zone, the time frame, that era. the era that they're doing. Hey, some people learned it. No kink shaming here. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have a little trinket selling lady and 
you have the a, a crazy wild person who helps upgrade your camping abilities, which I'll get to that again in a minute. And your final thing, which is also slightly your most important thing, is a carriage mm-hmm. that literally just at the start of every mission when you get back to town after you've crawled in through a dungeon uh, new heroes have come in and then the more you upgrade not only this but the more you upgrade everything because you can upgrade everything with the some of the rewards you get from the dungeons and you, of course you get access to better weapons access to better trinkets access to better skills you also have the ability once you purchase the upgrades is it usually decreases the cost by like one or two percent so that you can eventually you're not broke you ain't broke hoeing it mm-hmm. <laughs> and so probably for me when it came to the township the thing i focused on absolute most was focused on my blacksmith and my um my guild master because nothing sucks more, and it happened to me early on, having, because um, we talked about it before, we don't like it, but it makes sense in the sense of the game. We don't like level caps, mm-hmm. but all your characters cap at level six, which is yeah. a bit of a struggle to get to. And then once you're on level six, you have, you know, upgraded, slightly upgraded stats, but then you have access to all of the... Uh, all of your abilities and upgrade fully upgraded weapons and all this stuff. So I, pr- I prioritize those two things. And you can tell because some of the other stuff, because I, yeah, like I said, the trinket selling lady, I never bought anything from her. Too expensive. I think, well, you can, yeah, you can a, decrease the cost, but I think I bought one thing from her early on and I was like, cool, that was really expensive. And so I upgraded her and I've never touched her. Yeah. As you get so many trinkets and stuff from the dungeons anyway. You end yeah, up mostly just most selling, selling stuff to her. And most of them are better because they're unique and stuff like that. And you can only get when you have a I don't think she ever sells like the very rare stuff. She sells the rare, the uncommon and stuff like that. And I didn't really look at my graveyard too often because it was just sad. But it was. I also felt pretty good about it because I actually didn't lose that many people. So I'm pretty proud of that. Well, you did use the cheat to keep that from happening. I did. I, that's part of this game. Is I I didn't like Game Shark cheat, but it does a thing where it saves every time you enter a room or get into combat. Yeah, it saves when you leave a combat too. And when you leave combat, which that's boned me once or twice too. Like right at the last second, I couldn't. And I was like, I'm screwed. I'm going to win this fight. I don't want to do this fight again. But if a character dies in combat, you can basically quit out to, to home screen and then quit the game and go back into it and just restart the fight over. Yeah. Or depending on where it's at, it may... Because some of the fights are randomly generated in the dungeon. And you can walk back down a hallway and there may not be a fight down that hallway. And just skip a fight altogether. That's happened to me. I've gotten lucky like Never that. Never happened to me. I, I ended up in a loop of a fight I couldn't win, so... Which I beat on my first try. <laughs> but anyway, so like there, that's a lot of the township stuff. It's just managing, and you also have to manage your team because your team has, like I said earlier, stress. And it, it's called stress, stress or sanity, which I think it's inter, interchangeable. And you have to use either the pub or the abbey to lower people's stress. Now, what happens is 
when there's stress, you have up 0 to 200 stress meter. And 0 to 100, your character, nothing really happens. But once they hit 100, their virtue is checked, which means they're either going to become, they're going to like mm, be an upstanding member, like, I'm not going to let this affect me, I'm going to be good. And they'll become a shining beacon in it for your party. Or, which happens most of the time. I would say 95% of the time. They're going to fail the virtue check and become sadistic, masochistic, or, you know, a couple of different names to throw in there. And all it really means is they're going to basically become blubbering idiots. They're like, we're not going to win. They're just start shouting stuff in combat, which will make everyone else's stress meter go up higher. Mm-hmm. And occasionally they'll become so stressed that when you tell them to do something, they won't do it. Mm-hmm. Or they'll act on their own, or they'll flee. They won't flee from combat, but they're how your combat's tiered, they'll move to your back slot. Yeah. And very rarely will they lash out, but they will lash out and hit your own people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you're trying to do like a healing spell, they'll be like, I don't need healing. We're all going to die anyway. And they'll like refuse to be healed. Like it's... It's a pretty obnoxious thing to deal with, but you it, you can handle it. The more you play, you can get it under control, but it can still become obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, is your characters can also contract sicknesses from going through the dungeons, and that's what the sanitarium is for. And some of these sicknesses are as simple as, oh, you now are uh, you have hemophilia, which you means you have slightly less blood resistance to to one of the status effects called bleed. Or you get something so horrible, <laughs> one, uh, two of them are pretty awful. You can catch syphilis from either the brothel or some of the funk that you have to walk through in the uh, in the dungeon, and that like lower it increases the amount of stress you get because it's syphilis, and it also lowers your attack and accuracy and a whole bunch of quite a few other things, and then the another one. These, these are probably some of the most devastating ones I can think of off the top of my head. Was syphilis was pretty awful. And then the other one was called the runs. And it, it lowered your dodge rate, your speed rate, your accuracy, and your ability to be uh, debuffed. Like it was a pretty devastating, which is the runs. No one likes having the runs. And so I'm trying to make sure. I'm trying to cover everything in the town before I move on. And I think I've done it. Oh, yeah, I've talked about the Trinket Girl, and the other thing is, because your dungeons, when I'll jump into dungeon crawling here in a minute, your dungeons can be short, medium, or long, which basically just tells you how long you're going to be. And the game automatically gives you a camping kit. If you're going to be in a medium dungeon, you get one camping kit. If you're going to be in a long dungeon, you get two. And so camping... Uh, every ability, every character comes with three, and then when you you can buy more, but it costs a good chunk of change, and you can buy all of them for the character. I literally never bought anyone a camping skill because all the camping skills are beneficial. And I was like, I have more important things to spend my money on than buying more. Immediately, more skills that are, could be more beneficial, but that was literally the least of my worries because most of the time when I had to camp, it was really to to heal up. And so I, I, I'm not even sure if I have the camping. The, the, the current, I'm still currently playing it. I'm at like 94 hours or something. And I haven't... I Technically, I beat the game, but I haven't beat the DLC. And I haven't gotten everything done in the game. So I'm trying to mop up a few things and knock out some of the DLC. Yeah. But even now, 
because you get a the only things I don't have mastered in my in my uh, township is I'm working on my abbey. It's really close. I have like one upgrade left for all three tiers of it, and then I need to fully upgrade my camp person. I haven't wasted anything on her. So as far as the dungeons go, you have. I think at first five different areas to go to. And depending on which area you go to, there is a distinct weakness or a more noticeable uh, ailment that gets put on your characters. And so what we have here is we have the ruins, the warrens, the cove, and the weald. As well as the darkest dungeon itself, which you can dip dive into almost from the get-go but i do <laughs> not recommend it it is uh you start out with level zero characters and is a level six endeavor it is quite catastrophic and so each one of these areas that you can go to like the ruins uh prioritizes uh undead and skeletons and tends to have a lot of like old traps and stuff like that. I think the main thing it prioritizes is, in fact, the undead. And so you're like, okay, so I need to bring characters that are strong to undead in there and do some wandering around. The Warrens. I don't really know what the Warrens is. I know I went into them, but I guess the only one that doesn't stand out to me. Yeah, when I was playing, and probably one, one among many things I was doing wrong was making a specific teams to go into specific places and that was just way too much to way too much to worry about considering all your your people are randomly generated people you recruit are randomly generated what's happening in the dungeons is random and if you want and the people do learn they do learn skills which you hadn't talked about yet i guess or passive skills it's like they do more damage in the warrens or they get more stress or less stress in the warrens and there's just too much randomness to that to try to build a team that's specifically good for each place is completely impossible There's i never too much too much randomness to it like it, i would the only time that mattered for me is when i had multiple I was like okay i'm going to use these classes because i'm trying to level up these classes to whatever and i say i had two uh we'll say crusaders i'm um, both on level four and one of them was like, oh, it gets less or more stress. That's when I would look into that. But I, ne- I, I rarely looked at my negative quirks because it's too much. Yeah, they stock them. They stack them pretty quickly. And so again, for the the Warrens, I I don't even I don't know what the Warrens is. I cannot remember for the life of me. I know the the ruins, and the cove. The cove is a bunch of like mutated sea creatures, like some fish and coral, and that's where. Fishmen, fishmen, and they can be pretty rough. And then you have the wheeled slash wa- oh no, that's where the pigs and stuff, the pigmen, and that that seems to prioritize like blight and some poisons and stuff like that. And the darkest dungeon. The cool thing about the darkest dungeon is it is uh, like three or four missions. It's pretty intense, but. Those are not randomized. Hmm. Same thing with one of the DLCs that I'm currently going through called the uh, the Crimson Courtyard, mm-hmm. and that that's it's it has a randomly generated dungeon, but then its four bosses itself are um, they follow a strict uh, 
pre-generated pattern. So those can be pretty helpful. And that prioritizes bleed, and I'll explain why that'll prioritize bleed later. So I just dumped a bunch of information on you about all these these areas. Now, the general map layout is the same. There's a bunch of big squares on your mini-map that are main rooms. And the main room can be completely empty. It can have a, a, a treasure, or it could have a special event, or it could have a really hard hard fight now those really are only four options but then each of the bigger squares your main rooms are connected with corridors the corridors themselves most of the time are randomly generated sometimes there might be a special like a little thing to interact with like a bookshelf or a rotting carcass or you know uh i see it when i when i was playing i saw a bunch of like a dead adventurers backpacks yeah dead adventurers backpacks and a lot of these have Again, it's it's completely up in the air. I'm not entirely sure how it, the RNG works on this, but sometimes it's uh, cool. Here's some items. No, you know, no problem. Sometimes it's like, oh, this thing's been rigged, and your character has to try to pass a, a bleed check or a blight check or a debuff check. Yeah. One of the things we'll say, uh, I'll say right here that I don't got a lot of info on the game. I do know that one of your starter characters that's not randomly generated, mm-hmm. your Crusader, I don't remember his name, but he does start with a negative quirk of kleptomania. Yeah, every time. Which is pretty obnoxious, and I ended up having two characters with kleptomania, and they what they do is they randomly just, you find an item, and they just take it. That item's just gone. Yeah. All this work you do, finding a, finding a freaking item or something, and they'll just snatch it relatively commonly. There's like a, it seemed like a 50-50 chance or more that they would just snatch the item, and you would never even see it. And you're just like, well, I guess that's gone. You can cure kleptomania for uh, an exorbitant amount of money, which is which yeah. you can't get because you're trying to have items to sell, but they keep stealing them from you. So if you catch my drift there on the, the loop of that annoyance, that's one negative quirk. <laughs> and so like Drew's talked about it a bunch. Because I've, I've talked about like, There's not a lot to talk about the dungeons. That's the main aspect of the game. Well, yeah, but like it's this, it's this, it's samey but different. Mm-hmm. Is you might encounter a trap, and now a trap can cause one, any one of the it can damage, cause a status effect, increase stress. But the torch mechanic is pretty important. Yes, I'll get. And so, like I said, you have the, the traps, and then you have the interesting loot things. Sometimes they're. Oh, it's like, look at this statue. Investigate the statue. The statue breaks, and you're like, oh, sometimes there's nothing in the statue. Sometimes you're like, oh, your character was filled with a sense of sense of joy from that statue. Or that statue caused visions that your character will never forget. And they will increase stress, decrease stress, give you buffs, items. And sometimes, um, like, sometimes I'm talking about a statue in particular. It's not always a statue. But I've had good luck with statues where sometimes you're like, oh, your character was filled with a sense of harmony, and it'll give you a free good quirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of things in the dungeons, lots of different interactions in the dungeons will give you positive and negative quirks. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, I think it's, um, is it limited to, um, not limited is the right word, because you do pick who's walking in the front of your thing. Does that stuff, Wait, I know it, the kleptomaniacs will jump ahead to steal an item. Are there other other things that trigger certain characters no. besides, besides just the front character in front. It's whoever you have highlighted. 
Yeah, it's not necessarily the first person in the line. Swivel, you have highlight. That's right. You highlight so because your 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 team walks in their battle formation, but you highlight you like the bumpers. I think you yeah. highlight who who is interacting with stuff. Because if you are, because sometimes you get lucky in a treasure chest and you can find a map, and it'll give you the layout of the entire dungeon, let you know where the traps and everything's are. And sometimes there are secret rooms, but if you have a trap, your characters have a a trap stat of disarming. Every single character has them. Now the the raging barbarian class has like a 20% chance or less of dealing with a trap. But then you have like the grave robber and the rogues and they tend to have like a 80 or higher. And there, and there are positive quirks to make them, they can't, if you have a positive quirk for traps, you can make, can't make it better. Oh yeah. You get like a 120% chance where you're like, Oh, you're guaranteed to get it. And everybody gets a, a de-stress, a uh, little uh, breath of fresh air type thing. So, and they say that's traps. The unique things, the boss, uh, the the big rooms, the challenge rooms, I guess we could call them, because they're always hoping for something. And now, as you're going through this, Drew mentioned it just a second ago, there is a torch mechanic, because it's the darkest dungeon, you got to have torchlight. Now, the higher your torchlight, it, it's a simple uh, 0 to 100 torchlight. And now, some of your characters have abilities... That can lower and decrease light. Same thing with enemies. Enemies have abilities. Certain people have, they can lower and raise your. Well, they only lower, but you have a choice of lo- raising or lowering your torchlight. And now the torchlight, depending on how high it is, your characters are always going to gain stress. Always. And I'll get uh, why that's slightly annoying later. Slightly more annoying later. Is your characters always gain stress, no matter how high or how low your torchlight is. It just depends on how much. It also depends on if you're walking forward or walking backward. If you try to walk backwards down a hallway, your stress level shoots up. If God forbid they just turn around and walk the other way. Yeah. but cause you, And if you want to go back down a hallway because you made a mistake, the best thing to do is go all the way down to the hallway, get into your challenge room, and then go back down the hallway. But when you go back down the hallway, you'll be facing the correct way. It's, never walk backwards because it increases your chance of stress, it also increases your chance of enemies getting a back attack on you. And having the high torchlight, it decreases your stress. It can also affect certain abilities and accessories depending on how high or how low your torchlight is. Some characters do more damage on the cusp of being real low, while other things give you a higher dodge rate. Like one one in particular thing is called the sun cloak and the sun ring. The higher your torchlight, if it's 75 or above, you get a higher dodge rate, do higher damage, do higher this. But then you have other ones, uh, the opposite. There's a moon ring and a moon cloak that if your torchlight is 25 or below, you have... And the, the annoying thing is, of course, the higher the risk, the higher the reward is the moon stuff has a high, has higher stat boost. But I'm not walking around at 25 yeah, torchlight and letting everyone get it. stressed out. No, I'll deal with the smaller... Because you can get, you could take a like a moon ring, or, or for instance, I don't, I don't know the exact stats, but so so say it gives you combat combat boosts, you can get you can die in the dart from stress and not even get into combat. It seems pointless. Yeah, Cause that's that's the other thing I I don't think I got to because um, we're talking about stress a little bit ago. Is we talked about the people freaking out, get the mask kiss, and the vir- when you do your virtuous check. Now that's at the hundred mark. When you get to two hundred character has to do a death blow check because they're having a heart attack and they can they can pass it cool you know 
but every time their turn comes around in combat and outside of combat if your characters walk around in the death blow status outside of combat with max stress like every time you move to a different square in the corridor your characters are <laughs> they're hyperventilating and they they can literally just die of a heart attack and yeah, I had two characters die of a heart attack and you're like and once they're once they're gone they're gone unless you can do do that cheat and have to want to but it just even with that sort of cheat, that safe scumming or however you want to call it, I don't know what you want to call it, is if you're already in a situation where you're outside combat, your character's in the death blow zone, there's not a lot you can do. Mm-hmm. You can Now, admittedly, you can choose to leave the dungeon, but leaving the dungeon Guess what? also... Stress everybody out. Because you didn't complete the dungeon. So you can, you can leave the dungeon and then get back to town and your character die of a heart attack anyway. So it's a pretty stress-filled uh, endeavor. Yeah. But it, there are, um, again, sometimes you get lucky and there are, you know, stress relieving. Uh, camping can help you relieve stress. Uh, anytime you get a critical hit, uh, that character will get some stat relief. And depending on what it is, uh, I feel like crit and that crit kills the creature, it's a big uh, de-stress for everybody on the party. And then some people have a distinct ability that is specific to lowering stress. Like, there's ways to manage it. But yeah, it, I just think it's... I'm not saying too much right now, because I did quit the game before I even got to the first boss. But uh, I'm letting Blake get his whole spiel out before I... Before you wreck it. The, the stress mechanic, uh, I think, is... A little much. Is the, what, is the thing that's wildly unbalanced. And they the, 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 the developer would argue... I imagine, and I guess the hardcore Dark Thunder fans would argue that it's super duper cool. That's it for the dungeons, really. Uh, I'm gonna hop into combat and characters now because the dungeons, they're like I said, they're samey but different. But mm-hmm. they are a core mechanic of the game with the torchlight and everything. When it comes to characters, you can walk into a dungeon with a zero, a level zero newbie. And you can walk into a dungeon in that same party with a level six, battle-hardened, everything's maxed out. And you get into a fight with a creature, and it, uh, it's real early on. It's, it's in the ruins, and it's a uh, like a dead skeleton in a robe outfit, and it's called Tempting Wine or something like that. He or, throws wine in your face. He, throws, he does no damage, but he just slings blood wine. I think it's blood, not wine, but it looks like wine. But he throws blood in your face. Now, when it hits the level 6 character, it hits the level 0 character, guess what it does? The exact same amount of stress damage. It's just like 20. It's a massive hit mm-hmm. to your stress level. And you would think if this battle-hardened guy... He would, care, he would be more used to this, more used to this yeah, stuff. Yeah, he doesn't... I mean, I'm sure he might have a quirk or I can equip certain trinkets and stuff like that that will de-do his stress. To me, it didn't seem like there was any real benefit to level it up. It's like they they missed they like dropped the ball on what leveling up a character should mean. I mean and and how much experience they have with the dungeon. When they experience the dungeons, they should build up some sort of resistance to what's going on. They've done seen it multiple times. Yeah. Now you would argue that seeing these these horrific creatures would would be bad over and over again. But I think, like I said, a battle hardened soldier. Would be like, yeah, I didn't see this. Like, I, I get it. It's scary, but like, I, we've I've seen my team kill a bunch of these things, and it's. And there should be like, like there should be seriously. I I, I maybe maybe I didn't look hard enough, but maybe there's each character. It might be also a lot a lot to program, 
but all the characters should have like number of dungeons they've been in and then out of that number of times they failed a dungeon number of times they succeeded a dungeon and i think I'm that, sure it's tracking all that stuff i'm sure it is somehow but and i think that that should balance like how much stress do i got I, I go into these dungeons all the time because I, I had favorite characters that i used it could be as little as i mean it add up after a while but like say each time a each time, and, and, and you take a small number at first, each time some a, a, a character at least completes a dungeon, they have a buff of negative, they get negative 1% stress from now on. Or, like, I, I could be negative half percent. Because a lot of time you don't, I mean, how many times did you, how many times did you, I completed two, two freaking dungeons, probably, and then failed about six times, and I was like, forget this. I was failing so much, I could, I could, it's like, this is ridiculous. The game is so stacked. Like, I, I'm not going to go... I'm not going to whine about it. It's just that's the the game is unbalanced. It really is. I'm not saying oh the game's too hard. The game is wickedly unbalanced against you. Which I guess again, developer be like that's the point, and and other players would be like get good and like you don't get good against something that's Randomly. literally numbers are completely stacked against you. There's no way to get good at when the randomness is it's not it's barely random. It's random favoring the enemies. Yeah, ninety five percent of the time. Because I've missed more than my fair share of like eighty four percent chances of hitting. Yeah, and stuff like that. I'm like, why? Yeah, it, it just, was just, 80- just, to, just to make it stressful. I think that's a, a fake number. Kind of like people say when you play to like XCOM and stuff like that. XCOM, the first game at least, was famous for like my dude, my dudes kept missing ninety five percent shots. Like I don't think that number's real. In the, in, the, in, the, in the engine it's of the really game. It's really just 50-50, but they just give you... If it's above 50 or below 50, it's still a 50-50% chance. Yeah, but anyway. I forget when I got sidetracked when I was talking about the... But I just think, is it is it too much to say... So how many times... How many... If you've got, even your first character, your first soldier guy, your mm-hmm. first crusader, yeah. how many dungeons is do you think... Do you, do you think off the top of your head, how many dungeons do you think he actually completed? Oh, mine died in the first dungeon. Cause you're okay. Well, okay. <laughs> no, actually, no. He died. He died around like week twenty nine or something, I think. But through the entire game, your other one, your the the highwayman you get, Dismas, mm. he's still around. Yeah, he's literally like, and I just used him in a fight. I love so him. Do you he's think, great. You think if how many completed? Because they're not going out every dungeon. They, it's impossible. They, they can't. And even if they go out, they might not complete it or something might happen. So, I mean, you think how many times did any in, any individual one character, how many times did they act fiz- like actually make it to the end to complete a dungeon? Do you think a negative 1% to their overall stress intake to each com- each completion, is that too much? I th- Again, I'm like, I think a 1% might be too much. I would be go with a half a percent. That's just, I don't know, but like, like say a guy by some miraculous something... Mm-hmm makes it through five or ten complete dungeons, that's still only minus 5%. It's still only minus 10%. Yeah. And when something hits you, that thing throws 20 stress at you. Yeah. It Instead of 20, it's 18. It Even temp, even even a guy who completes... Now, this is crazy. Even yeah. a guy who, com, who manages to survive 10 dungeons, which is already kind of unlikely. I didn't, I didn't even see 10 dungeons when I played the game. So this guy manages to complete ten dungeons, goes off. This heart, this now hardened guy, we call him. Okay, yeah. With, with, my, with my idea, he goes and your level zero guy and your level whatever guy. He's this guy's made ten dungeons. He's he did. It. He's got negative ten percent on all stress intake. 
Dude throws the line. This person, this brand new person, still gets 20. He gets 18. Yeah. I, I, that it's would be... not that big of a difference, and that's if the guy even makes Now, you might have a character who survives every dungeon they ever go to, and they may get up to 15 or 20%, maybe higher than that by the end of the game or even to the DLC. I just don't think that's too much to ask. As a as a as a as an experienced, I don't, I don't know what you would call it, but a, but a, a stat that you could see on their yeah. screen of how many dungeons they completed and their overall negative. They just don't. They just it's a little bit. They just don't stress as much. And one one two three four five percent. You don't even you don't even one point. You won't even notice. Yeah, yeah. It, nothing really happens for a while. I don't think that's too much to ask. And it, it would. I mean, ironically, it would barely make a difference. Yeah. And admittedly, like. But instead, in their version. Your guy, your guy means nothing. Yeah, you can still be slaughtered by the exact same enemy he's fought fifty times just because he throws some wine or blood in his face. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense. It, they try to make it up, make up for that because with the the quirks, because you get worn adventure or well, those are the ones we talked about, the ones that get ten percent less or ten percent more stress based on the on the area they're in. Yeah. You don't pick those. No, you can't take a group into the warrants ten ten times and hope and and, and assume you're, this group will get better at the warrants. No, it's completely random. Now you can lock in some of these quirks for a ex- huge amount of money. Now, the the money gets less and less, um, depending on how max out it is. But it is still like I think for me, uh, it was anywhere from it it, it was like ten to fifteen thousand. Now it's anywhere from five to ten thousand. It's a good it's a good bit less. Mm-hmm. But you can lock in some of those quirks. But in my opinion, when it came to the quirks, I was just like, it "Ain't worth the money." A lot of it. Well, some. I mean, I, I, my core group, like my my favorites. Some of them had like two or three locked in, but they were like amazing abilities that I was like, "I because you're, if nothing's locked in, stuff can be overwritten." Mm-hmm. But you can also get stupid abilities. I think you have five when you five positive and five negative and they can be overwritten. Is that right? Mm-hmm. They can be overwritten. Of course, you'll, they're... You'll, you'll have five negative long before you have one positive. Yeah. You get negatives a lot more built on you. But some of these quirks are outstanding. Some of them are simple like, oh, boosted scout chance and um, higher ability to disarm traps and stuff. But one of the ones that I absolutely loved was called Fated. And it says it has a. It says there's a. Uh, reading online, people did the math for it, but it's called faded, and it says there's a chance to turn every any miss into a hit. <laughs> so it, it, there, it, you wouldn't even technically know that's working. Exactly, <laughs> which is weird. But I, a lot of my characters, if they had that, I locked that down, no yeah. matter how much money it cost. Because I think they talked about it's like, oh yeah, if you miss, you know, if the if the die is like you don't know. But if you go into the code and you explore the numbers, like if you miss, there's a 15% chance that you'll re-roll and turn that miss into a hit or something like that. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a small percentage, but I mean, you need all the advantages you can get. And we've talked about all this. There is a boatload of classes. Mm-hmm. I'm not even counting the two new ones. One of you, one of the DLCs you, you didn't bother doing, did you? One of the characters. There are... 14 classes. Yeah, we can't go into all of them. Uh, no. We're, uh, you can highlight your favorites, probably. I'll go through them, yeah. There are 14 classes, and then three of which are DLC. Is it 14 plus three or 14 total? 14 plus three. Okay. Well, 14 plus three. Yeah. Okay. So you have 14. That's a lot. 
Yeah. And again, every single well, it's a situation. We'll say right now that's a situation where there is no. It's technically there's no bad classes. You can look at skills sometime, and, and and you'd be like, I don't know what what the point of this is really. And then you start getting into battles with certain characters. And the, the thing about different classes is they can like, they can only take four skills into battle. They have eight, and you pick from the four. Yes, exactly. So you have so you can build. There's different character builds are really important. Um, so there's like, I mean, you do the whatever the math is of, of the limitless possibilities, like literally limitless possibilities of of party structure and. There's no way you can't. There's no number you can put to it. That's uh, million sure. millions of com- literally millions of combinations. Yeah, because you can have. Because the other thing too is besides of the the seventeen total classes, is there's no limit to what you can bring in your party. If you want to say screw it, I'm bringing four of the exact same class. Mm-hmm. Boom, you have four of the exact same class, and it's maybe not advisable. Well, it depends. <laughs> Going through a couple of the uh, our darkest dungeons, uh, people talk about um, these fantastic. He said, "He said our darkest dungeon." He means he, he, if you don't know, that's the darkest dungeon subreddit. No, oh, yeah, Reddit. But people talk about. Uh, uh, I think it's called. I think it's called the the first crusade or the first templar or something. Well, you literally oh, you do get you do get there are party boosts. I forgot about that. Every now and then, every now and again, if you put together a right party, they have a slight, slight boost in like you know for the for the dungeon. No, the party you select a certain a certain set of classes in it. You get a name of the yeah. thing. We never found out what it did, but you do you do the right the right combination of classes does give you like a team name. Mm-hmm. That and that persists. That stays. That. But but we don't know what kind of bonuses that gives or if anything. Because you can equip four crusaders, and the crusaders is a it's a fantastic class. Yeah. It automatically has um, damage uh, against undead. So he, he he besides having damage against undead, they have they have high HP and pretty high attack and high defense. It's your run of the mill knight basically. Oh yeah. Yeah, but awesome. But because he he's um, well any class can play anywhere. But I've found that the knight. The Crusader, rather, was hands down the most versatile. Because he could, he has, depending on your setup, he can play perfectly. Well, you you, you ain't talking about the posi- com, com, the combat. Posi- combat positioning has four slots, and your people can actually benefit from being in any one of the, the four different slots, depending on where they need to be. And their skills are uh, a lot of their skills are locked to standing in a certain place. You can accidentally, which I, which I'm sure you done, I did, is put a character into a slot, and they and you you find out in your first fight that they can't use any of these abilities early on. Early on, early on, you make that mistake. Like, oh, yeah. for even know what's going on, you're like, oh, this guy can't do anything yeah. in, the, in this slot. So you got you got to rearrange your party and build it the right way because you don't want them co- conflicting their different positions in the party. But you also want to do <clears> your best. Because here's some other things. You can have the perfect party set up, and you're like, yeah, this guy is going to be in the front row, and all of his abilities can only be used in the first slot. Yeah, yeah, he's great. But then you'll be... Then he dies in the first fight. No, you'll be quickly disavowed because uh, you get ambushed. And when you get ambushed, surprised by the enemy, your party scrambles, and they rearrange. So your guy who's amazing in the first slot is all the way bumped back to the fourth slot and literally can't do anything for two or three turns while you rearrange your party to get back. Mm-hmm. Or uh, enemies uh, have push and pull moves or shuffle moves that will literally take a targeted character and pull them up a slot, push them back a slot, or rearrange the whole party. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, you have some of these abilities as well you can use on enemies 
that are f- wonderful. Like you'll you have like the creepy little shaman in the background that only heals, but one of your characters has a uh, literally a hook shot where he throws a grapple hook and jerks the thing from the back line to the front line, mm-hmm. and it's like you can just rail on him. Yeah, could, and it's all situational. That move could not work another it time. Could, it could fail. Yeah, but uh, a fan. I guess a fan favorite on on the subreddit on the darkest dungeon, talking about the Crusaders is having four Crusaders and the the team name is called the Last Crusade. And the reason I call these guys so versatile is they have a de-stress move that also heals, a light heal, but it's a de-stress move that heals. They have an actual healing move. It's not great, but it heals individual people for pretty decent. They have a a move that can stun enemies. It's pretty and, and deal damage. So it's pretty powerful. Because the stun move is that the one that also gives you light. Yes, you know, like a smidge, like like five points of light or yeah. something. And then besides that, it also has his big big sword attack, which hits hard, and that also hits more. I think it's five or maybe fifteen percent more damage to undead. And then he has a um, another move. It's weak hitting. But it's a linked move, which a linked move, which are I'll get to those in just say, well, right now. Linked moves. <laughs> <laughs> a linked move is when it hits. Um, it's basically splash damage, and it hits multiple things. Yeah. So he has a splash move that hits the first two slots, which is great. Cleave, cleave or something. It's uh, yeah. No, no, cleave is for the leper. This guy, it's it's that scroll. Oh, it's like the the word of accusation, hmm. and it can it hurts. It's it's weak, but it can hurt both. What else am I? Like I said, he has all that, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's like two moves that I'm missing, but he's very versatile. And I've gone into dungeons where I was like, "You're not attacking. Here's your heal. Here's your de-stressor. Here's here's your your boost." Oh no, the other thing, the one I missed, which is the reason people loved using the uh, the 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 last crusade. And he has a move, it's called Holy Lance. Mm-hmm. And he can only do it when he's in the back two spaces. And it's a powerful, very well, they, powerful they, they attack. They just keep having him all Holy Lance over and over again. But you can only do it when you're in the back two spaces. But when you Holy Lance, he automatically takes a step forward. So he, using Holy Lance, he then loses the ability to Holy Lance. But if all, all four characters have it. You then. just have him rotating out Holy Lance. Holy Lance and then heal. Like they're, It's a... An amazing team having four crusaders all healing, de-stressing, holy lancing, stunning. It's a, a a remarkable team, and a lot of people tend to do like. Anytime I was going online, like trying to, I was like, because I played through the game, and I beat every single boss, the first time without any prior knowledge of what that boss was, and then once I experienced that, I was like, I don't. I'm getting attached to some of these characters. I want to lose them, so I started like, cheating, and I would like read. What's a recommended boss for or a team for this boss and stuff like that? And most of the time, people were using Last Crusade like Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> they're like Last Crusade, <laughs> it came in clutch. And so people just love that because it it is remarkably powerful. Mm-hmm. That that crew, and that's the Crusader. So now the next class, <laughs> yeah. one down, yeah, one sixteen down. to go. No, we're not gonna. Uh, so I don't, obviously that's a favorite, easy favorite class. Yeah, he's remarkable. Now, as far as me, you also have a straight cleric, a vestal, and she has a, a party heal, a single heal, which is double the party heal. Mm-hmm. She has no de-stressing things, but she has uh, stun blows. She has a uh, 
I'm going to use a magic term. She has a lifelink move where she hits yeah. somebody and heals back. She also has incredible, which I never used, but they're incredibly powerful if she's in the front row, but I never wanted to risk my healer being in the front row. Mm-hmm. She had some close range attacks where she one was just called like Fist of Justice or something like that, or Fist of Light, I think it was, and she hit hard. And it was really powerful, but she was in the front row. And I was like, she was the only person healing me. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to risk that. So the the Vestals are great healers. And then you have some people that are prone to specifically a specific stat or to do um, DOS, D- DOT, damage over time. Mm-hmm. And those are the two stats effects in the game. They're Blight and Bleed. Mm-hmm. They're the damaging ones. And you have characters built around those. There's the Flagellant, Plague Doctor... And a few other, so many. The Plague Doctor can actually cast Blight and Bleed. Mm-hmm. And and do a slight heal. He's actually pretty good, but all this stuff is a, a little weak sauce. But he can also stun. <laughs> I'm trying not to go into every class, because I, I literally enjoyed every single class but one. Yeah, you can talk about the, the one class that we think is may, the one class that is maybe not good. The, what, I don't know if you read anywhere if, if it was ever useful or not. Well, you have a, a class called the Antiquarian. And she... Most of her, she hits and she buffs, but 90% of her skills are to protect her and keep her alive. She's, depending on what position she's in, or or it automatically makes her jump to the back position and moves everyone else in front of her. And as far as combat-wise, So so does she do something out of combat? Yeah, her, 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 she's an antiquarian. Her main thing is uh, after every fight, there's a chance of her finding a lost artifact, which is entirely sold for money. Like, she's an entirely a money-driven thing. Now, immediately... You could, you could take her out with, with, like, three Crusaders just to, just to get money. Yeah. Now, it, albeit I could tackle a, a, a short dungeon with, like, maybe four... Because they're tank. They're very tank. They have a lot of HP... But they don't deal a lot of damage, so that's the issue. Is I have to go through a, a short dungeon with maybe four. So antiqu- if you took four antiquarian, and you, 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 you ever tried this? I imagine no. four antiquarians into a, into a, into a weak dungeon and see if they all does that they all four get a chance to find a bunch of items. Yeah, they, you, that's essentially be your money maker. Hmm. But after a certain point, for me, money never really came, was. It was an issue early on. I mean, it's still kind of an issue. But then, like once you start buying the the decreases of the money and stuff like that, like. I was never filthy rich, but I was never... We got to a point when I never worried. Because I knew that as soon as I was like, oh man, I just spent a bunch of money. I'm like, time to go into a dungeon. Or, now, this is a strategy I never used. I will, okay. I didn't use it until later, but I didn't use it for the same reason. And this is a perfectly viable strategy that you can ask anybody online. Since you constantly, and when you recruit a character, it's free. free. It's completely the only free. things in the game that's free. It's completely free to recruit any of these characters. Now, if you've upgraded your your carriage, then you're, you have a, a roster of people that is, you know, it can go up. I think you have a mo- starting out at like eight people. So you can have, you could just run two dungeons at a time. And then it maxes up at 30. And then if you're really low on money, a perfectly viable strategy is to literally recruit a bunch of zeros, or you're, depending on some of the bonuses, they can be zero, one, two, three, all the way up to four. You can get lucky and get some like right off the bat fours. But you can recruit a bunch of zero people, go into a dungeon, and treat them like garbage. 
let their stress max out, let them all come back, you know, with many different types of diseases. And they're like, save us, master. And you're just like, mm, dismiss hero. <laughs> and you could choose to dismiss all four of those heroes, not waste any money on them recurring them or anything. And they would really just boot them out of the town. And you could recruit a f- four fresh new faces. Yeah, I kind of wish I'd known that when I, when I played originally. It might have helped a little bit. And you can do that. There's nothing. My only problem is I'm not a heartless bastard. Some of these characters I legitimately cared about. I was like, I mean, some of them I like, not like boo-hooing, but like I was attached to them. I was like, come on, Mathan. I have one of my man-at-arms. His name's Manthan, or Mathan, however you want to pronounce it. You could change their names, but I, I, I never did. You I, keep them with the default names they come with. I let everyone come with their grand... The only people who have two names are Renald and Dismas, your Crusader and Highwayman at the very those, beginning. Those are the opening characters, yeah. They're always They're not randomly generated. They're always the same when you get them. You can get other Crusaders and other Highwaymen, but those are always two of the same ones. God, there's just so many classes. I'm trying to uh, thought straight. No, I did have, I don't know if it's a favorite, but one of the more badass classes was this thing called the Abomination. And I'm not entirely sure what the mythos is, because he's not a werewolf. But he has a branded A on his face and forehead, where he transforms into what looks like a werewolf, but it's more of a demonic werewolf. And when he transforms, he makes everyone else in the party get stressed. But he loses stress, and he heals them back up to full health. Mm-hmm. And while he's in his transformed state, he has powerful-ass abilities. One gets powerful with each use. One automatically lets him shoot to the front of the line and headbutt some people. And the other one lets him target anywhere on the... It's like his, I think it's a leap attack, and he can target any one person on any position. And he's incredibly powerful. Now, you can only transform once per combat. It's not like you can just keep going. Now, if he's transformed, but his stress maxes out while he's transformed, he will revert back to human. So that's kind of annoying. But while he's human, he also has another... He's the only character that can literally use all eight of his abilities, but four of them are human and four are the werewolf. You don't get to... You have access to all of them. And so... his Interesting character. Yeah, so he is... He, much like the leper are amazing and incredibly uh, self-sufficient mm-hmm. he has well let me clarify this yeah okay so they're the they're the probably the two most self-sufficient characters in the entire game you have the leper and the abomination uh, both hit like trucks don't exactly have a lot of HP when they're when unless he transforms but they have drawbacks, of course. The leper has the highest, da- literally the highest damage of any class, but has the lowest accuracy check of any class, which mm. is how they, you know, they balance it, which makes sense. But they both have this self-heal ability. Uh, one's called, like, Absolve. The other one's called, like, Prey or something like that. But it self-heals and de-stresses. Now, for the, abom- for the Abomination, it's low heal, high stress heal. While it's the reverse for the Abomination, where he has massive HP heal, low stress heal. But they can self-sustain. They ain't got to worry about being healed by a healer. And the Abomination also has a a chain move, a link move, that he vomits on people. (laughs) And he gives them blight. And then he has a whip chain ability that hits really hard. Hits, I think, the first three slots of the enemy thing and has a chance to stun. Mm -hmm. Both of those are... Really fantastic. I loved using them. 
Hated the Antiquarian. I just didn't like. Another one I didn't much care for either was the Occultist. It's the one I use the least next to the Aquarian. I use one a little bit, and they are pretty dangerous. I thought you, I thought you didn't like the. Um, we're gonna talk about all the class. I'm trying to try not to. I thought you didn't like the uh, the Hellion. You 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 had a, you, yeah, had, was, you had somebody you were reading about that was swearing by the Hellions. Yeah, the the crazy barbarians. I I just I, I never I never had one shine through for me. Yeah. I do have a funny random story is because names are randomly generated. One of my characters is named Somniri, S-O-M-N-E-R-I, Somniri, mm-hmm. and he's a man of arms, which are pretty, they're paladins, except for they, well, they can't heal, but they're, they're tanks. They can draw fire and stuff like that. But I have a, a man of arms named Somniri, and I also have a hellion uh, named Somniri. So no. I have two characters randomly same do, name, the yeah. same name. So I thought that was kind of kind of cool and fun. Now speaking of man of arms and one of the strategies for a boss, I literally was so worried about this boss because it it's a boss that has three unbreakable things in front of it and it is in the fourth slot on its side, and so you can only hit it with either a hit everybody move or a hit the fourth slot move, and he can de-stress you, and then he has a thing like premonition, and he will, he will literally make rubble fall on characters of his choice. Now, I went into this fight, and the the guy was like, "Oh yeah, you want two man of arms?" I was like, "But they can't heal. That's so worried. What am I gonna do?" And they're like, "Just take two of these guys in there, and I'll explain when we get to the boss." So I made it to the boss, and he was like, "Now, I I literally left that fight. I I had a healer." Two men of arms, and uh, I honestly think it was, in this particular time, it was the Hellion, which I, I don't care for, but they were perfect for where they were for this strategy. And I literally walked out of that boss fight with no stress and full health because the strategy was insane because these men of arms can protect people, and they shield them, and they take the damage instead. So if I had two of them, uh, and they were both defending the same... Well, yeah, I, think, I don't think you can defend the same person, but they were both defending either one another or whoever was being yeah, hit with the... Draw, and they have a move where they increases their armor and then draws attention. Exactly. like they were, They're doing it back and forth. But they're, they can take hits like crazy, but they cannot heal themselves. And I can't... That was a problem I got later. But, like, I literally, like... I enjoy most of the classes. Some of them are, like, situation. Like, I love you when I'm doing this. But... Like, I literally liked the Antiquarian the least. Hellion. They were okay. Like, they, like I always had other people hit harder. Like, they're supposed to hit hard. Uh, before we find some sort of endpoint here, yeah. what about the uh, the DLC? Sorry, class? I know. I'm just... Well, the DLC classes, real quick. The three DLC classes is there's one called the Musketeer, which is literally a cut-and-paste copy of the Arbalist, which is a crossbow user. So it uses a gun instead? Yeah. Like, I think their abilities are slight, slightly different. Like, one has, like, smoke screen, one has, like, smoke grenade. Like, they do almost <laughs> the exact same thing. It's Smoke screen. Screen of smoke. Yeah. So, but the the, the, the Musketeer is free. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the free DLC, and it's good. It's a palette swap, basically. Well, that's a different art, but just the same. Yeah, she has her. Admittedly, she does. She also does get her own set of trinkets and stuff like that, character trinkets, so she can become different. Now, then you have one that comes with the the courtyard, the Crimson Court, and that's the Flagellant. 
flagellant. <laughs> and his prim- his primary thing is bleed. But he also has like he has a he has a link move that can bleed the back two slots. He has a front move that can bleed. He can self-inflict bleed on himself. If like say any of your characters have bleed on them, as a bleed or blight in this case, he can pull it into himself and cure them and heal them. But then he gets all the like, he's he's a dark knight, I guess. He's a dark knight class. He hurts himself but gets stronger and stuff like that. Or yeah. he can class we normally hate in video games. And he was useful, but you don't have to use those abilities either. I just when I would ever I'd use them, I don't think I would use those abilities very often. Now the third DLC character I didn't use because you don't get them with any of the DLC, and you got to spend five, four or five dollars on it by itself. And it's called the Shield Bearer. Mm-hmm. Now the Shield Bearer, I don't know. You didn't read about it anywhere on the subreddit or anything? No, she's apparently fantastic. She can hit all classes. She can shield up. She but she's like the man of a man at arms, but better. Is what I'm. What it basically sounds. So she hits harder. She can hit more, and defend more, and stuff like that. And I think she has like a, a lot. Of, some characters, also have like a a counter that you have to trigger, like a, a repostle, repost, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And that's pretty. They can be pretty epic too, because I I won another boss fight. Uh, they're like, oh yeah, take these four characters in. One of these characters heals, and these other three characters all have a repo, a, a repost, a, a counter attack, mm-hmm. and this enemy has uh, it's a 50% chance of whether he's going to hit all, all you guys in one swing or he's going to like try to poison one of you. And so if he does a sweeping hit on all three members, or all four members, they all, all counterattack. Yeah. So the entire thing was literally just have your healer heal everybody and have them just constantly doing repost because he would set himself up for a counterattack too. But if, he, if, if you, you know, he was a crazy boss. He would just waste his turn if he set up for a counterattack because you're not actually attacking. Nope, I'm just healing and give me a chance. It, took, it was a long fight, but I again, I came out of that fight full health. A lot of stress, but full health. Now, those are the, the three DLC classes. I don't know much about this because I didn't, yeah, I wasn't spending five bucks. But she also came with a the character and a boatload of lore-based trinkets for every class. Mm-hmm. So every class got a set of trinkets... That that you know, if you had them together, they were a completed a set trinkets and gave you some lore behind the classes, which I, I didn't bother with her. But there are two expansions. There's a, the Farmstead expansion, which is literally I didn't even get to um, the influence. Uh, all this entire game is Lovecraftian. <laughs> Talking a about late now to say all yeah, that. but like I bring it up because uh, the farmstead is literally. I think it also came out because that Nick Cage movie, uh, Color Out of Space, which is a uh, you know movie of a Lovecraftian story, the Color Out of Space, had come out, and they put out a DLC called the Farmstead, which is literally the Color Out of Space. You go to a farm and you fight the Millers, the thing from outer space. It's it's pretty good. You you did that one? I didn't do that one. But it looks like I, I kind of want to, but I'm almost, I'm to the point in the now where like anything I do is kind of it's just samey, and I'm getting kind of done with the game. I just want to like finish up the the Crimson Court, mm-hmm. which the Crimson Court, uh, I said earlier, it has a single dungeon that's randomly generated, mm-hmm. and then all four of its bosses are pre-generated. Now, unlike the other, other ones, it's coming and going out of the courtyard doesn't cause stress because apparently the courtyard is literally 
it's not somewhere on your property. It's literally just a wardened off part of the township. Township slash manager. So you can literally come and go from the courtyard without taking any stress. But if you're going against bosses, you need to re-get yourself an invitation from the boss to come fight the boss. It's silly. But they do a... I love the art. I didn't talk about the art enough at all, really. I haven't <laughs> talked about the art at all. Or the narrator. Or the narrator. But the, I figure, like, I've talked, I've gushed on the game a, quite a bit. Yeah, you, you, you can talk about the art for a minute now. I mean, right now we're about to wrap it up. Go ahead and hit the art up. And I think the narrator is fairly important. He's the only voice actor. Yeah, I've really. talked about him in just a second, too. So I love the art. But the art is something we've talked about before. It's like Paper Mario style. It's a bunch of, like, 2D cutouts where your characters have minimal minimal movements and stuff like that uh it's very like i said earlier it's very gothic everything's dark and people have like exaggerated features and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but the art is truly amazing because you fight a plethora of creatures like i said you go from undead to fishmen to pigmen and then you start fighting some of the more lovecraftian horror things like these mutated one of the things oh my god is if you're a fan of john carpenter's uh the thing you literally fight a creature that's that. It's a, It takes up all four slots, and then each turn, after it, all four of its pieces have made a turn, it does a shape shift, and it and it literally it looks like something out of John Carpenter's thing. It's this body horror pig, fly, scorpion thing, and it just rotates its different body parts, mm-hmm. and it's awesome looking. And every, every boss I fought was awesome to look at it was just graphic and gruesome and cool looking and they're just great beautiful art and in the crimson courtyard i got to see them do their their version of vampires which are these it's kind of like uh gimo de toro's uh mimic where they're these humanoid looking things but then of course when whenever they attack you or do a special attack like uh the veil like their mask comes up a little bit and they're these m- giant man mosquitoes or woman mosquitoes i'm not sexist and they they were cool cuz all the vampires were mosquito like had long noses and when they're human form they would attack you some of them would do uh, the most annoying move i found is called the thirst which they would hit you for like 8 damage but then heal for 20 and transform into their true forms, which is, it just elongates the fights and usually gives you bleed. But they're, uh, they all look pretty cool. And then they have these ghouls, like the, like all vampires have ghoul servants. And these guys were men in tuxedos, uh, but instead of their heads were these giant ticks. Hmm. You know, and whenever they would, they had like several attacks where they would like, it's hard to explain because they would do like a still shot close-up of them whenever they, they, they would do like a motion and with sound effects and all that stuff. And sometimes they would just hit, but then they had one called Gather the Blood where the tick, its legs would fold back and you could see that there's a skeleton underneath the legs. So it's literally just attached to a giant it's, skeleton. Yeah, they're gross. Everything was just always so gross and cringy and it was awesome. I loved it. I loved how the vampires looked, and I just didn't much care for fighting them, but I liked how they looked. And I'm going to go into, fairly quickly, I'm going to do the narrator and a slight bit of the music. Because mm-hmm. the music, again, I'm not one for music, usually. 
but the music was all subtle and atmospheric and a lot of strings, and it was all, you know, pretty good. But the, uh, the dude, his name was Stuart Chatwood. And so he's responsible, two of his big things, he's actually a band member of a part of a band called The Tea Party. He's, uh, they do a lot of strings and whatnots, but they're, I think they're a prog rock band. Mm-hmm. And uh, his other big thing to fame is from 2003 to present is he's done all the music for Prince of Persia's. And that's that's pretty good. I mean, he's he's done a couple other things, but his yeah, they had made a game in about a decade, probably. But yeah, anytime they they put out the remaster or something, he he's responsible for doing the music on those. And so his music's you know, it's good. If it weren't there, it would be jarring. But the music is good, and everywhere has their own its own little theme and stuff like that. The sound design is great. Whenever something gets hit or death blow, you know what's gonna happen. Now the narrator, his name is Wayne. June, and primarily he is a audiobook reader. See that you could definitely see yeah, that. Yeah. He's uh, his main thing was just audio since 1998 to present. He just audiobooks. Now the cool thing is, um, I even looked into it. It's the first two audiobooks he ever did uh, were the Call of Cthulhu and the Dunwich Horror. <laughs> Which is awesome. I don't know if we heard those. Or... We probably did, because in the collection, I don't think they've updated those. But so, I mean, he does a lot. He has that voice. He does do a lot of westerns. <laughs> He's got that deep, deep, deep manly voice. So he does. He's done a lot of westerns. But I like that two of his earliest works were the. I wonder if they had looked into him. Like we're doing a Lovecrafting game. This guy read has you know he reads some of the bigger Lovecraft book you know, stories. Mm-hmm. Let's reach out to him. And he'd probably be like, hell yeah, pay me. Hell yeah, pay me. <laughs> he'd give him a much deeper voice. I loved it. What the narration means, because he's not really narrating story so, per se. Technically, technically, your ancestor is dead. Mm-hmm. Is, that who he, is that who he's playing? He's, he's voicing your ancestor, who wrote you a note and told you to come free your family's lineage from the darkest dungeon. And he not only did he he left you a note, which is that whole opening splash screen. It's it's the note that brings you to the manor. Mm-hmm. Now once you're at the manor, and every time you fight a boss, and there's a several bosses throughout the game. There's about nine or ten bosses. No, four, eight. There's twelve bosses. There's three per area. Hmm. There's three in the ruins, three in the warrens, cove, and wild. And each one, uh, each time you fight it. Because the, there's different difficulties. There's green, yellow, green, orange, and red when you go into the dungeon, which I didn't talk about those earlier because it's just difficulty. It's not really, it just means the enemies hit harder and stuff like that. But depending on which version of the boss you're fighting, the green version, the orange version, or the red version, he has a cutscene explaining how he's the cause of what that is. Well, at first, the first one is just like, there's a creature here. And then by the third one, he's like, there's a creature here. But I'm the one that caused it to happen, so my bad. <laughs> Fix my problem. One of them is uh, in the cove, and she's called the hag. And all she can do is she can take control of your party members and hit you kind of hard. Well, she doesn't even hit you that hard. She causes stress, hits you for like two damage, but then she brings one of your characters onto her side, and that's difficult. But by the end of her story, you find out that it was a homeless girl he was taking care of, and he decided to change her into something more beneficial to him. And you're like, oh my. Like, every, you're like that's really sad. But the other ones are pretty vengeful. Like, there's a 
pirate crew that's been scavenging around the thing, and he ends up sinking their ship with a cursed relic and fuses them all to an amalgamation <laughs> with their ship. Yes. So some of it's justified, some of it he's a horrible person. But like all of them, and you can once you beat him, one of the you you can go back and re-listen to all the lore and listen to him. So he he does an excellent job in all those little things, and they're all storyboarded too, which is pretty cool. Kind of like a motion comic, a little minimal motion, but it's like a motion comic. They're all yeah. real fan. I don't really have too much more to say. Okay, well, two things, two quick things. Um, they have announced a sequel. It's already, it's already, it's probably in early access yeah. right now. It, as of October twenty sixth. Most of most of the Darkest Dungeon subreddits talking about Darkest Dungeon yeah. two right now. And as of October twenty sixth, they're working on it. It's supposed to be like a lot of the same stuff. They're going to keep the same classes and add new ones, but it's supposed to be instead of being side scroller two D, they're trying to expand it to three D, and uh, you won't be stuck on the manor. You'll be st- like a mobile unit going around seeing the after effects of the darkest dungeon did on the world after you saved the the dungeon. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be, they, they have high hopes mm-hmm. and they're going to be changing it a bunch and I hope it doesn't affect, even if it does, I still have this one in my heart. I can come back to anytime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they also doing the early access thing because apparently it was incredibly essential we talked about that earlier, so they're going to keep it probably for a year, like they did the first one. And uh, it's perfect for it, uh, but there's also a board game in the making. Not out yet? No, not, uh, and at least, at least, it's in development. At least a board game, would, would, would you'd be rolling real dice, it would be actually somewhat fair. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I could talk about this for a lot longer, but I'm going to leave it at this and just... Uh, any other, I mean, you can do any other highlights or anything like that? I mean, I know you... Nothing feels better than having one of your characters crit something and kill it in like one hit. Mm-hmm. It's great. And you see the stress decrease go across the line mm-hmm. of characters. Um, obviously, I said earlier, I, I quit before I even got to the first boss in the game. I've never played a game before that's so actively wanted me to not play it. The game did everything it could possibly do to make me make me just not want to play the game at all. Blake was like knocking out dungeons left and right. By the time I by the time I had failed like th- literally had to fail and leave three or four dungeons, I was I looked at Blake, I was like, How many times have you had to leave? Like how many times have you just been totally screwed? And Blake's like, None. I haven't I've I never I'm I've going, been I'm, hurt but I never I'm left going me. right through I'm like, then what is happening? And I think it's just a general we had there's there's this weird we acknowledge it so I guess the universe acknowledges it sometimes there's a weird balance between me and Blake playing video games there'll be certain parts in video games where like a certain fight was really hard for me and then Blake just coast right through it and vice versa something was really hard for Blake and I'm just like I did it in one try it's whatever it's it's whatever it's not a big deal that's been a a weird something we've noticed in you know what multiple decades of mm-hmm. cause we're old now of playing the same games together sometimes we, we, we play the same game side by side single player game side by side so we can talk about them uh but this is the first game ever where the whole the whole game was just like turn me off but Blake's side when Blake was playing like things were just going good not only that is uh I lied to Drew about how well I was doing because of how bad he was doing. I wanted him to keep playing. Yeah, 
So at certain parts, he's like, how far have you gotten? I was like, oh, I'm about to uh, have access to my first boss, and I'm going to try to fight it. I was actually fighting my third boss. I just didn't want to tell him I was on my third boss. (laughs) You're doing way better than I anticipated. Because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm about to. I just didn't want to shove it in your. I wanted you to enjoy it as much as I. Don't get me wrong. There are moments that royally pissed me off. Yeah. I mean, the game, literally, you call a rent. A random number, random number generator, and With the balancing, the balancing, like, balancing we talked about. The game literally just cheats. I mean, there's no like, like again, the developers would be like, oh, it's supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be hard. You're not supposed to be a big. You're not supposed to be a powerful winner. I get the idea that you have behind the game. I understand the concept. I also understand you didn't execute this concept. There's no, there's just no sense. We've played, we played hard games. Like we played, like I said, we not bragging. We've beat all the Souls games, you know. I mean, even and we got the platinum and black, black, uh, Bloodborne. Yeah, we platinum Bloodborne. We got all the achievements in the first Demon Dark Souls, and we'll and we're going to play Demon Souls on PS5 eventually. Oh, yeah. Uh, nope. Really, they're hard, but they're they're hard but manageable. D- Darkest Dungeons, not that, and they're very different between an action RPG and a turn-based RPG. It's, it's it's a different thing, but people probably call this the they'll call Darkest Dungeon the Demon Souls of turn based RPGs. There's no way people have not called it that. I just don't think I just don't think the game, born. huh? Based off the Lovecraftian horror element, it'd be the Bloodborne. maybe more of a Bloodborne, yeah. But I just I didn't like it at all. I wanted to, but waited a long time to play it. I was excited to play it. It did. The reason we got our hands on it, waited for years for it to hit a reasonable price. The game is. Like, really expensive for some reason. Because there's a lot of content in there. I guess. And it never goes on sale at a reasonable price, but eventually it hit Game Pass, of course. So we finally played it. Uh, Blake did buy the DLC, so because he, he, he wanted he wanted the DLC. So we did give them some sort of money. If I had bought this game and then tried to play it, I'd have been so mad. Because I, I just never had a game. I've never disliked the way a game was... But I'm presented to me, or the way the way a game played, I've never disliked a game quite as much as this one. And Blake's on the opposite end of that. That's why I let him talk most through most of this podcast because I mean, he had a, the positive side to say to this. I didn't like the game at all. It was so actively against me at all times. And I know how to play video games. And I even say when I told Blake when, when I was quitting, I was like, I understand the concept. I understand what the game's trying to do, and I know how to play the game. But I can't control. You can't control it. It ain't about having control, but I can't control how actively against me this game is. Yeah, and it was that. It, ha- it happened to you that one time. You you literally got it's. it's I got it's locked. A, I got locked into a fight that I couldn't. I couldn't win. Yeah, the um the soul collector or the collector. Whenever you beat him, he got, he has an amazing trinkets. When you beat him, I encountered him three times. I beat him all three times. But, but you got him three times in your entire playthrough. Yeah, I ran into him immediately. Yeah, in my first dungeon, yeah. you cannot get away from that. And if I never you, you run into him in the beginning. That dungeon's done. Oh, yeah. You have to leave that dungeon because he 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 appeared in a hallway leading to like where I needed to go, and he doesn't disappear. This is and this is after multiple failures. He appeared right in my way. I was already on the cusp. I was like, I, I hate this, and he appeared right in my way. And he didn't did disappear. He's just there. So he, he appearing there, the dungeon failure. I wonder if you could have um, quit out and went back in if he wouldn't have. I did. Of the I, quit game. Out, I quit out of the fight. No, I mean of the, of the, the entire go, go, game. Go to home and quit out. Because if he appeared in the hallway, it would have been random. Maybe. Uh, who knows Who knows when that randomness is decided. True. 
what is it? Because some games have that where the random says some games have those. There's two. There's usually two different types. There's well, we talk random when you walk into a room, or random when you activate that dungeon where the entire dungeon is decided when you first enter that dungeon. I don't know how Darkest Dungeon does. I think it. it's random because I've had stuff where I like walked down a hallway and get into no, a surprise no, no, fight, and the fight went horribly, and I was like, "Screw you." Reloaded okay, so the fight, it, so it decides as you enter a room, probably. And it, when I when I reloaded it, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get into a fight. And I walked out of the hallway, and not, there wasn't a single fight down that hallway. Had happened to me again. Okay, so it's the kind. So it, it's not deter- There are games that will determine a whole whole floor. Yeah. Other games of similar genre will like the whole this whole this whole floor is decided. I was about, told you about that one when I was camping. There's a chance that you can be ambushed, and I got ambushed. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm fully healed. I got minimal stress. I got into an ambush, and everyone had, like, two people had max stress. One character died, and then another one was about to die. And I was like, what is happening? So I did my little cheat, my save scum, and uh, it re-rolled the ambush, and I didn't get ambushed at all. I just I woke up with full health and, and full stamina, or full sand. Or... I even, uh, saying, I even started a new game hoping knowledge would help and it went worse yeah i literally played a couple like couple two three four five hours whatever it was i was like okay i'm gonna start over with knowledge i also and it it literally literally everything went worse i also can't believe until i read it online that neither one of us thought about using people like trash don't do people the meat grinder yeah i I never Never once once. too too bad you read it when you're about done with the game yeah but i mean i I didn't struggle near as bad as you though yeah yeah, I'm not. I'm not turning it back on. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's nothing going to change the the, the game's just not having it. And I won't play Darkest Dungeon two either. I will. I know. I know you will. <laughs> but um, you ready to? Call yeah, that's all I got. That's that's me complaining on the end. But I'm not. So you holding it all in and just waiting to. You want to get all the good out and then you want to. Explode. I just, I just, it's uncanny how bad things were going. Like you wouldn't believe. Like you, there's no. You call it a dice roll. There's no dice rolling. There's no like a, like a D10 or a D20, whatever you, you're rolling in the background of any other RPG. There's no way it rolls and it swings so heavily negative, so consistently. There's that's you're not. There's no. There's not a random number generator in the game. The game statistically to favors go against the, favors, favors the enemy. Favors the bad side. I, I, that's, that's that's not fun. It's just constantly annoying, and I, I couldn't. I, I've got better things to do. And then mess with that, honestly. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. Um. So you have, you're about quite done. How many hours did you mess with it? I think I'm sitting because I'm going to try and beat the the Crimson Court DLC. I, I'm not going to buy the Farmstead, and the um, the Shield Bearer is just the character. I must spend five dollars on just the character. Especially this close to the ends. Yeah, and I'm. <laughs> I'm already semi-regretting Crimson Court just because I'm kind of ready to be done with the game because I've done everything I'm going to do in the game. Crimson Court didn't really give you enough to... It didn't really add anything to it. It added a, it added some extra trinkets. It added the cool art and lore of the vampire. Yeah. And everything, but... Eh, I kind of wish I... Well, it also gave me the character, the flagellant. What you, what you ended up kind of liking? I, I don't mind him. He's 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 not high, but he's he's mid tier for me. He's powerful, but I'm not a big fan of Dark Knight classes. Yeah, but we've got to say that 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up yeah. here. All right. Well, I guess uh, I don't know. The game's normally like forty dollars or something like that, or you can buy a. Um, 
You can buy Ultimate Editions, I think. It's, it's ancestral. It's called, you can buy the Ancestral Edition, which is the game and all its DLC for around 40 or more dollars. I don't know. My my purchase point, when I originally was going to buy the game, I was going to buy Ancestral at 20 Never got that low. It never hit the $20 mark, as far as I know, for purchase history, because I was always watching Dark, because I'm always very curious about the game. Ancestral never hit $20. I never bought it. But, I mean, 40 bucks isn't awful. For the Omega said I've forty bucks is, is a is a is an expensive gamble. Yeah, that is true. If you don't know if you're gonna like it, that's the hard part. Yeah. Game it, game it's a perfect game pass thing, honestly. I know we're like we're, we're, we're like the game pass freaking podcast, we're trying not to be. But uh Darkest Dungeon's something great for it. You could turn it on one night and be like, Hell no. Never again. Like I played t- like two nights, maybe a third when I restarted. When I I restarted my the I start I started a fresh save and quit the whole game again the same the same night on a fresh on a fresh play okay, I think that one is the one that gave you the soul collector Poss- possibly yeah, but possibly. anyway it's good for, great for game pass if you want, if you have if you've had any curiosity about darkest dungeon now is the time to try it Before don't it spend 20 30 40 dollars on a maybe it looks cool in pictures that's not like anything you've ever played I've been, we've played a lot of video games I've never played anything Anyone, anything like Darkest Dungeon before? Technically, I have some lots of RPG experience in in, in Demon Souls and Dark Souls experience that doesn't apply to this game at all because of the way it plays and how how the, how the numbers work. The skewered. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Would definitely not buy it for forty dollars on a gamble. Uh, I don't know if there's demos on. There might be demos on Steam. There's no demo for it. I don't think on Xbox. Maybe try if there's a demo on Steam. Maybe. I mean, it it's is, on every console now. I think, yeah, it's on everything now. I know, I know it is. I've seen it on 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 sale for still really high across all the, all all the consoles. Um, your best bets give it give it a shot on Game Pass and see if you can even get through one dungeon. There's a lot of folks that won't get. I mean, I, I guarantee it's like the again like Dark Souls people who like die on the first boss. Like so many people will die on like the first boss of De- Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Will be like, oh, this is too hard. They just quit. There's a, there'll be a lot of that, almost equal numbers, except the Darkest Dungeon is not as popular as the Dark no, Souls no. franchise. But there's but a, I'm sure there's there's a massive, uh, I bet there's a 90 to 95% quit ratio in, in Darkest Dungeon just because of how it is. I guarantee the numbers that quit are exorbitant. Got any final things there? I'll move on to the band. Mm-hmm. You're, no? you're good. Um, okay, well, I'll move on to the band real quick. We'll wrap this up because it's like normal. Normally, when we record, we record before lunch and we start getting hungry. This is a band, a band called Wheel. Uh, it's Wheel, like is like the wheel of a car or tire. W H E E L. Very strange name for a band. I think I. This is possibly another one of those Pandora bands that I heard a song on Pandora and I was like, oh, sounds pretty good. So I'll I'll, I'll keep an eye on them. And it's a band that I kind of literally forgot about because they've had one one album for a while that they put out an album, uh, their first album, uh, moving backwards in like 2018, I think. And then I kind of forgot about them. And it, what it is right now, is I, I've been making an effort to do it for myself and for the podcast, is I have a, my playlist of my bands on my Spotify. I always start from the top and I scroll down. And I usually get distracted somewhere and I play stuff in the first first couple of bits of the alphabet. My, my things alphabetical. I finally started playing, started from the bottom of my playlist, and it's how I stumbled back across Will again, having the one album, or so I thought. And I was listening to him, and I thought this was a band that I found 
one of many, like lots, lots of bands I found on Pandora. They do an album and then the band vanishes forever. And I thought Will was just one of those bands. So I was listening to the album that I ended up liking. I was like, this is pretty good. And I view the artist on uh, on Spotify and they have a brand new album this year. And I was like, oh, I guess this is one of those one-off bands. So that was kind of, kind of funny. The, it ended up being that way. So they do have two albums uh, right now. They're a, a Finnish, Finnish, like the Finland, uh, prog uh, metal band. And I, I, I'm really into prog metal and stuff like that. They do, uh, of course, sing in English. I think that I think that helps your worldwide appeal when you sing in uh, English, I think. Most bands do. Some bands will just sing their native language. Like Lacuna Coil mix in a bit of Italian sometimes, but they tend yeah. to... And this and uh, like Diablo Swing, I've had Diablo Swing Orchestra on here. They do they do they will do a lot of uh, Spanish on the, a lot of their albums. But anyway, uh, I just it, this is just me happening upon a band that I had somewhat forgot about, and it turning out being uh, pretty good. I think you listened to it in the car with me one day. Yeah, they have uh, kind of tool tool vibes for sure. There's no way Tool's not an influence. There's, they they could they they couldn't. There's no way they could deny it. Which is, there's not a problem with that. I mean, people people love Tool, of course. I love Tool as much as the next guy. Um, but there's no problem. There's another band that I haven't done here yet that uh, could almost, I don't, not, I don't know what the word is, but they're basically just another Tool. I forget the name of that band. I'll probably do them eventually, too. Russian Circles? No, that's all That's all instrumental. Oh. Uh, Richelieu. There, there it is. Richelieu. Ours. Yeah, Richelieu. Uh, that's the name of that band. They have, they have like five or six albums now, but they almost sound exactly like Tool. It's, it's uncanny. Uh, you would think nobody could sound like Maynard, but you'd kind of be wrong. There's a couple of people that can almost pull it off. Anyway, I don't want to ramble on and on about this. I'm just going to play the, the song that I, uh, I listened to the whole first album kind of a couple of times through because I wanted to... That's just what I was listening to. I didn't get too much into the new album yet, but I did pick a song called Where the Pieces Lie. Uh, kind of jumped out at me too, jumped out at me while listening to the first album, you know, forwards and backwards a little bit. So I'm going to play that today at the end of this. I think uh, it's a band you should, if you like Tool and or just prog metal in general, or uh, Finnish band. There's a lot of there's a lots of Finnish prog metal out there. They 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 love the metal the metal over there. Look into them. Let, let us know what you think. I'll be adding this song to the playlist, of course, but I'll probably forget until the next podcast which which is what I tend to do. I I I've, I've sat here lots of times while uh, Blake's talked about games when I've been adding adding last week's band to the uh playlist cuz I often forget. But uh, anyway, that's all I've got for today. I hope everybody enjoyed hearing about Darkest Dungeon. I hope you enjoyed hearing about it more than I didn't like playing it. I don't know how to word that. But I hope you I mean I hope you gave you a little bit of insight into the game. It's kind of a uh, I won't say it's an obscure game. It's sold 2 million copies, but it's probably a game if you like RPGs you've been looking at for a long time. So I hope Blake gives you a bit of insight into whether or not you'd want to play it or not. Uh, I hope the band, I hope people like the band. I mean, write in if you like, you know, write into us. We're here on the end where we do any, anybody who writes in anything if people weren't too scared to write into us. Because I know people were probably playing these games and stuff like that. I know at least one or two people are listening to the playlist off and on. They've, I've heard it from other people. Anyway, here's where I would do that. If you want to write in, you, you ask us questions or anything like that to any of our social media or to the email address, we'll answer all of that stuff here, basically. So that's all I've got at the end here. After Blake's little piece, you'll be hearing 
Where Do the Pieces Lie from the band Wheel. I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night. Under a mask.